Access Credit Union has always been at the heart of our community through good and bad times. We want to continue to play our part in helping our community through the COVID-19 crisis. As businesses reopen, we encourage our community to work together by staying local, borrowing locally and spending locally. Access Credit Union is here to help. Close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> And a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam Maguire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the 100th episode of the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off this week I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. On today's podcast, which as I already mentioned is our 100th episode, we'll be joined by Cork and Castlehaven legend Larry Tompkins for a wide-ranging, long-form interview about his life, his footballing career and his new book Believe, which he co-wrote with friend of the show, Dennis Hurley. But before we hear from Larry, I'm delighted to say we're going to be joined on the line now by ex-Cork and Island Rovers footballer Dermot Duggan to reflect on a magical day in Park Equivalent Sunday that saw Cork beat Kerry in Championship action for the first time since 2012. Back to me and again, all the way back towards Luke Connolly. Connolly kicking up into the air, it's drifting, it's moving, it's still in play, it bounces, it's a goal! It's a goal for Cork! That is amazing! It's the man who came to play, Mark Keane, the man from the AFL, the Mitchellstown player, the Connolly Now, thanks for joining us, and before we analyse the game, I just want to get your own emotional reaction when the ball dropped out of the night sky and into the hands of the waiting Mark Keane in the last minute last night. Yeah, it was incredible, Jack, because um, I think, you know, in a normal time, they brought it back from two points to draw it. And then, you know, there were two points behind and Cork got one point then to bring it to a one point game. And you were kind of hoping that it was just going to be a point or whatever to bring it to penalties. And then, like, I don't think anyone kind of foresaw that it was going to be a goal. And I think, like, just the fact that Curry are completely out now, you know, and they don't have a backdoor, I think that was what why it was such a big occasion and such a big event just to knock them out in the last minute. So um, I think I'd say there were people around Cork just jumping around the kitchens and the sitting rooms just watch it. Um, it was it was incredible, really, really incredible. It really was. And um, I just want to touch on a, a win that you played in over Kerry. You were involved in the Cork setup for the Munster semi-final win in 2008. And on that occasion... Big Michael Cusson was the difference maker. He scored 1-1 in the second half. In 2012, the last time Cork beat Kerry in a championship match, it was another big man, Nicholas Murphy, who caused trouble for the Kerry defence throughout. And on Sunday, it was, as Kieran McCarthy described him in his match report on Sunday, the Wizard of Oz, Mark Keane, who proved the difference maker, another big, strong target man, hanging around the edge of the square. So just having that option is always so important, no matter what the game plan is. Having the ability to go long into a big man. And I know Luke Connolly was probably going for the point. We all can accept that. But the fact that Marquine was there. Yeah, yeah. I can. I remember in 2008, all right, um, Michael Cousin came on at halftime. And just Kerry probably just weren't prepared for him. 
um, and it just offered something different. And it, it definitely did turn the game. He got a goal and a point, but he set up several other scores. And he was just a big target man, and they struggled to deal with him. Um, Justin, last night, I think it's a, it was it was interesting, really, because um, for a lot of the game, Marquine didn't he was starved of possession because um, Cork seemed to play a kind of a running game which suited the conditions. So he actually saw very little of the ball for most of the game. But um, I mean, as you say, like once you have that option there, and it was interesting because I, I think a lot of people were potentially kind of saying that maybe he should be subbed because he wasn't receiving the ball. But once you have that option there, you're always in with a shout and. Um, the way it turned out, it was just it was just really, really incredible and, and uh, an unbelievable finish for sure. And I just want to quickly touch on the reaction outside of Cork then to the result. I saw Kieran Donahue was on off the ball AM saying the result was down to how Kerry played rather than anything Cork did. It was similar on the Sunday game from Tomas O'Shea and on RTE on the, on the live coverage, Colm O'Rourke was extremely critical of the game as a spectacle and across social media as is to be expected. There were plenty of people giving out about the game and it being a bit of a drab affair but given the context Kerry are Division 1 champions Cork Division 3 the weather could only have been described as biblical really and it's November so surely Cork deserve more credit for their performance than they've been getting yeah I think I think they deserve absolutely massive credit um, like Cork are never under any obligation you know to play fancy football or whatever and you know they have to play what's in front of them. And Kerry themselves set, um, set up very, very defensively with a, not, a lot of numbers behind the ball, which was surprising to many. Um, but I mean, you know, as I said, Corker under no obligation. They had a very uh, defined plan and they stuck to it. And that, that was what was most kind of, um, you know, I suppose rewarding because um, they had a lot of young players and um, they seemed to do the right thing. I mean, they were very, very patient. Um, they were building from the back and sometimes they went sideways, sometimes they went back. And they waited and they waited until an opportunity arose each time. So, you know, huge credit must go to the management for the way they came up with that plan um, and to the players for sticking to it and, you know, carrying it out. Um, and I think Kerry, Kerry, on the other hand, you know, they had a plan as well, but I think it didn't suit their style of players. I mean, you know, it's it's well known that they probably have one of the best sets of forwards in the country, and yet they set up incredibly defensively. Um, probably, it's, it's hard to know why, like, um, possibly because... They took their eye off the ball and were looking at teams such as Dublin, maybe, um, you know, into the future. Um, maybe because they were worried about Cox runners around the middle. You know, it's hard to know, but they certainly didn't play to their strengths and, and it looked like they were kind of more worried about Kerry. But um, going back to the Cork thing, I think, you know, number one, they were far, far more hungrier. Um, and like, I think there's, there's no doubt about it, you know, um, Cork... You know, they didn't have as good players, quality players as Kerry, I suppose, you know. Um, and you have to make up that differential in some way. And um, just their aggression, their hunger, their work rate. Um, I think everything, you know, it, it was a huge, huge positive for Cork. And um, as I said at the start, I mean, Cork don't owe anyone anything, you know, in, in regards to how they play. And sometimes they, you just have to play the system that's ahead of you. Um, and they did that. They stuck to it. And um, I think huge credit must go to Cork. Um Definitely. And you mentioned that hunger and that aggression. And there's just an incident I want to touch on in the game. Just before half time, Cork won a free just at the Kerry 21. And it was through sheer hard work and determination. But then three of the Cork players, I think it was Mark Collins, Killian O'Hanlon and one other, they reacted by really getting into the, the Kerry player's face. I think Gavin White, I can't really remember. But the free was overturned anyway and a hot ball was the call and Joe on commentary Kevin McStay was kind of making the point it was quite an unsavoury incident maybe some of the court players could have been 
black carded but to me it showed that the Cork lads were really up to it it kind of illustrated what you're saying the hunger and the aggression they had so from an outsider's perspective it may be seen as an unsavory incident but like from a Cork perspective that's the kind of thing you want to see essentially you want to see that the players are at the pitch for a, a game of this magnitude yeah, yeah, you could look at it in that way, I think. Um, certainly in the way it did show almost they were up for it. But I suppose going forward, I'm sure Ronan will be saying, you know, every point counts. And, you know, if you have an opportunity to put over the bar, I'm sure he'd be telling them that, you know, he won't want to give away an opportunity like that again. But um, it did, it, it definitely reflected how uh, the approach they took in the game, I think. Um, and from the first minute to last, I mean, they were putting their heads, their bodies in, in, in the way of legs plenty of time, you know. And it just seemed to to look like they had um, more hunger than Curry. Um, and Cork have often been much maligned over the years, you know, for not showing that kind of hunger and determination. So, you know, I, I think they deserve huge credit. Um, now, I know they have nothing won, but they have taken one of the biggest scalps. And people around Cork are not only talking, but it's also around the country. You know, it is a huge, huge scalp to take. And a big part of the performance was obviously the young lads you mentioned, some of the debutants who had huge performances. And I just want to touch quickly on Morris Shanley and Sean Mean in particular. Like all the talk in the build-up was about how Cork could contain Clifford. And he did score four points, one of which was an outstanding effort. I think Kevin McStay said in commentary it was the best point he's ever seen. So I don't know about that, but it was an excellent point. But you'd have to say like Shanley did marshal him quite well. Clifford never dominated at any stage. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, like, he is one, if not the top forward in the country at the moment. So, you know, he's always going to get a few points. And I, I think Shanley did a great, great job, as well as could be. And particularly for, for, for your debut to be marking a player of, of Clifford's calibre, like, it was fantastic. And um, the other player you mentioned as well, Sean Meehan, I was very, very impressed with this guy. Um, you know, similarly to, to, to Shanley marking Clifford, he was uh, marking Sean O'Shea at centre forward. Sean O'Shea, a top forward again around the country. And, you know, he was he was very anonymous for much of the game. And not only that, but Sean Meehan managed to make a few surges himself forward. And it just it showed a huge leadership for a player of his age um, on his debut to be doing that. And um, even even at the very end there, you know, for, for the goal, he made a surge there and he split the defence, which was very, very impressive by him. So, um, you know, he's definitely a great player for the future, for the present, certainly, but even for the future when he fills out and gets even a little bit stronger again. So, um, yeah, um, very impressive day with some of those, um, as well as a few other other lads. You know, um, Damon Gore came on there at the end and played a little part by laying the ball back for Luke Connolly, you know. So, um, the signs are good, certainly, you know, and, and, and the good thing is they're using these players from success of the under-20 um, win there last year. Yeah, well, that's a big thing, isn't it? The fact that most of those young lads are used to beating and competing with Kerry they, they showed no fear Sean Mean in particular you mentioned that burst he made at the end which essentially led to the goal and for a young man on his debut it took some <laughs> took some guts took some balls to actually to actually do that um, we'll wrap it up now Dermot I just want to get your own kind of man of the match like you could have picked any like I had listed there Ian McGuire Sean Powder Rory Dean Luke Connolly who came on and made a massive impact some of the names that who who stood out to you other than the ones we've touched on already. So, um, I suppose some of the people you mentioned there, uh, I thought Powder was very impressive, and he did receive the RT man of the match. Um, he was impressive throughout, and you know, lent a hand to the forwards as well, and pitched in with a point himself. Um, Morris Shanley did a good job. Um, 
Rory Dean, I think, particularly, I think Rory, um, when when Maguire went off, I think he kind of, you know, took a leadership role there and, and certainly played well at that stage. Um, Luke Connolly, basically all the ones you mentioned, but I really think Sean Meehan, you know, on his, on his debut, you know, Sean O'Shea was anonymous for a lot of that game and that says an awful lot about who was marking and um, not only that, you know, but, but as I said, Meehan got on the ball quite a lot himself, you know, and he didn't hide. He was brave, he was courageous, you know, and I think he deserves huge credit for his first day out and he's a player that hopefully will play around for the next 10, 12 years. And finally then, Dermot, is Sam coming to Cork in 2020? <laughs> not only Sam, Jack, but uh, the double, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, unlikely, I suppose, you know. Um, I mean, I suppose we have to take it on, on the win last night in Smurts. It was a fantastic win. But I think, you know, Cork have been very, very guarded now as well, you know, against Tipperary because um, they haven't won anything yet. Cork haven't won anything yet. And, and Tipperary are a team that have turned Cork over in recent years. And um, anytime they've played in the league as well, you know, it's, there's been very, very little in it. So, Tip definitely won't fear Cork. Um, they've beaten them. They're used to beating them. And it's going to be, give them a big boost as well, seeing Kerry knocked out as well. Um, I think they struggled themselves against Limerick, which will probably be a, a little bit of a wake-up call for them. But um, I think Cork are certainly capable, but they certainly will need to be guarded against, you know, um, the media attention and all that. Um, and they certainly wouldn't want to think they're world beaters all of a sudden. But... Um, I don't, I don't know, you know, um, certainly in Ireland this is probably a step too far, but um, if they were to win Munster, they have Mayor Galway, and, and you know, I don't think they'd fear any of those teams either, you know, so it's definitely a positive step anyway, and, um, you know, if they do nothing else, to beat Kerry in, in Parky Creeve and not carry out the championship was a great achievement, I think. Absolutely, well, we have the headline there, Dermot Duggan says Cork on for the double. <laughs> Thanks a million, Dermot, for your time and uh, hopefully we'll chat to you again. Access Credit Union has always been at the heart of our community through good and bad times. We want to continue to play our part in helping our community through the COVID-19 crisis. As businesses reopen, we encourage our community to work together by staying local, borrowing locally and spending locally. Access Credit Union is here to help. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, this week is our 100th episode of the Star Sport Podcast. And to mark the 100th episode, we had to bring out the big hitters. And I think we brought out maybe the biggest hitter of them all when it comes to West Cork sporting legends. There was a bit of controversy when we ran the series of Best in the West, whether or not to include this man. He wasn't included in the end, but he's definitely the right man to mark the 100 episode he won three county titles three monster titles with his club castlehaven he won six monster titles two all ireland titles and two all stars playing for the cork senior footballers it's larry tompkins kieran and you got the chance to speak to him for upwards of an hour yeah, it was a brilliant, brilliant to chat to Larry. But before I just talk about Larry, I actually just want to thank Access Credit Union for a second. Um, they came on board as sponsors of the, the Star Sport podcast a couple of months ago, and it's been a great relationship we've had with them. It's been brilliant to have them on board. Just want to thank them for coming on board because they saw what we saw in the podcast, that we do reach a large audience. We do spread the West Cork sporting gospel right across West Cork and beyond and across the globe as well. I think that's the beauty of this podcast. You can, if we sit on the beach in Australia and you could listen to myself and Jack's dulcet tones kind of waxing lyrical about the, the great and good of West Cork sports. So I just want to thank Access Credit Union again 
for I suppose showing their faith in us and almost confirmation that we are doing something really positive here and something good. So big thanks to them. And like you said, then to get Larry Tompkins was absolutely brilliant. I'm delighted with a great chat um, a little bit earlier. And it's all about this, the book, Believe. And it's um, co-written by Dennis Hurley, who, like you said earlier, is a friend of the show. And um, Dennis does a lot of stuff for the Southern Star. He's a top, top writer. And um, he did an absolutely brilliant job with this book. I really enjoyed it. Like, this is one of those sporting books that it's not just for GA fans, it's for sport sports fans in general, because you're getting to learn more about one of the the kind of the GA greats. You're getting to look behind Larry the footballer and learn about Larry the man, you know, kind of what drove him to kind of achieve what he what he achieved, which was an awful an, an awful, awful lot um with Castlehaven, with Cork and so on. So um it's it's one of my favourite chats so far. It, it's a long chat and I know our listeners are going to enjoy it. And what we did, Jack, is we focused a lot on Castlehaven because obviously we have a lot of local listeners in Castlehaven and and West Cork GA and I wanted to find out when Larry was over in New York and playing with Donegal in New York, why he decided to swap Manhattan in the madness of Manhattan for the relative quietness of rural West Cork. And um, like he says himself, he didn't even know where Castlehaven was. He didn't even know what part of Cork Castlehaven was in. But look at the, I suppose, the amazing effect and influence that he had on Castlehaven and Cork football after. So, no, it was a pleasure to catch up and pick the brains of an all-time great. Well, let's not leave it any longer. Let's chat to Cork and Castlehaven legend Larry Tompkins. We're absolutely absolutely delighted on the 100th episode of the Star Sport podcast to be joined by GA royalty Larry Tompkins. Um, Larry, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Kieran. Delighted to be honest and delighted to kind of uh, show some bit of an input down there in the West. It's great. I had many great days down there, so just delighted to be on your show, yeah. Yeah, but like I said, we're delighted to have you, Larry. And the reason, I suppose, we're chatting to you too, your book, your autobiography, Believe, which is available in all good bookshops right now and available to buy online, is um, so it's making headlines right right across the country and the country. First off, Larry, congratulations. Absolutely fantastic read. Um, great job by Dennis Hurley on this. It captures your story, um, which is a, a unique and brilliant story. And you, you had so many challenges on the football field, like you were such a top-class footballer, but... How big a challenge was it for you, Larry, to put your thoughts into words with Dennis and to write this book? It was initially. Uh, it wasn't easy because um, when I finished playing, uh, loads of people were on to me what I consider writing a book. And um, even when I was manager then, uh, the same thing, probably not as many, but still quite a few were on to me considering about writing a book. And I suppose my first thing was like that. You know, reading and been uh, looking at books previously, um, I thought a lot of the books kind of were kind of replica matches, and and no disrespect to any of the guys that have written books, but um, I kind of didn't want that. I kind of wanted a kind of a story, um, and I suppose two years ago, Liam Hayes was my publisher, and I suppose came across Liam a good few times uh, playing against him and uh, been involved in Kildare. Uh, met Liam I suppose since I was about 16 years of age so he asked me again two years ago and, and I suppose he, he kind of hit it with me that you know he was lucky to play with the club and then lucky enough to play for his county I suppose my journey was completely different like I had two fantastic clubs one in Kildare and, and one in West Cork and then played with four different counties like so I had a bit of a 
a litany of uh, a litany of journeys and I suppose I wanted to kind of personalize it then in relation to my I suppose my family and my daughter went through an incredible as uh, well procedure of a lot of operations and um you know she kind of was kind of the brave heart to me really at the end of the story and um I kind of when I thought about it I said yeah it, it would be nice maybe to kind of um write it and put it together and um hopefully it's an honest and it's 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 more of a story and a journey and been involved in so many counties and the two great clubs that I mentioned um just wanted the people to kind of uh, grab hold of and feel that they're part of the book and um just wanted to put it down in writing um never thought it would uh, would be such hard work it's, it's it was really harder than winning an all Ireland but you know, fair play to Dennis Hurley. Dennis was uh, incredible. He was an encyclopedia, really, into the matches. I didn't really have to kind of... Uh, I lost my memory in a good few ways, but he kind of relived a lot of those memories with his knowledge. And, um, of course, Liam Hayes was fantastic then in relation to, uh, I suppose, getting the nitty-gritty of things and finalising. And, of course, just want to mention my wife then. We sat down for a long time, maybe to soul-search, really, the the hard stopping stories and my journeys and um, my family life and um, look um, just proud of the way it has turned out and hopefully you know people will get a good read from it and um, hopefully we can all believe like this um, anything that can be uh, achieved if you really put your mind to it I suppose writing this book too Larry it was a journey for you like you said there you, you relived the highs and the lows of a of an incredible career. So through this process of writing the book with Dennis, like you said, he's done a fantastic job. He's forensic in his, in his knowledge of, of stats and facts and data. So, um, and th- that shines true in the book, but li- reliving those highs and lows, what was that like for you personally? I suppose it was, a, 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 look, uh, you have to have lows like to be, to, 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 to create something good. Um, it wouldn't be possible for a, a sports person like to go through life on a high all the time. Um, I think in order for you to be, uh, to get to hopefully to the top of your game, you need those lows. You need that kick in the backside. Um, you need to be able to get up in the morning after a game and realize like that there's a lot more to be done. Um, nobody sits comfortably or you shouldn't sit comfortably thinking like that you have, arrived and are the best um, certainly that wasn't the way I kind of went along about things I would have I suppose entered a lot of these places that I've talked about initially like uh, between club and county as a challenge because I was new to the scene like I, I you know naturally I grew up in Kildare uh, played with the club each town uh, from that to Kildare then to try and prove myself and then from there to New York and Tried to prove myself again um, with Donegal, and from there, then down to West Cork with Castlehaven to try and prove myself, and then uh, got the opportunity to play with Cork. Um, so, like you know, everything was a challenge to me. And and look, I said in the book, I think challenges are good. I I, I think to kind of um, make up the kind of the person of of, of what he is and, and, and what he's about, and. Um, I think the greatest challenges is like when you're faced with uh, the losses to be able to gather that momentum to keep going. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of major losses and a lot of massive disappointments um, that really probably has stood to me really at the end of the day. 
did I enjoy going over them? Um, of course I did. Like I, I love looking back, and 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 it was great to kind of relive those memories. And I didn't realize it like that. I would get that much satisfaction, like in relation to looking back and really kind of reliving every game and um, reliving like every year and every moment and kind of people that I met along the way, the journeys and um, the fantastic people that have been a massive help to me. And, uh, you know, I always kind of feel like that, you know, the, the unsung heroes are the people like that kind of set the foundation for you, you know, that are there from when you were a young age and driving you here, driving you there, um, always on your side, always help, willing to help out. Um, those are the kind of the forgotten people, but they're very close to my heart in, in relation to my career. And you know, massive, massive admiration for all those people that go out day in, day out and uh, put their time and their effort into all the juvenile clubs and all the people that are going out there and helping out in any way. I think it's it, it's just massive. And certainly they are, they have been really the love of my life as regards growing up and massive respect for all those. We talked there, Larry, about your your challenges throughout your career and, and the journey you've taken and I suppose the listeners of the of our podcast will be particularly interested in how a how a man from 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 Ratmore outside Nays who was playing for Donegal in New York ended up then in, in Castlehaven in this little pocket of of of, um, of West Cork because you were swapping the noise and the concrete jungle of New York for for the countryside of of, of Castlehaven just to, we go through this again, how that whole move came about, because you were over playing football in New York and there was a cast, couple of Castlehaven fellas in your ears telling you about this place back back in Cork that could be worth checking out. Yeah, yeah that was kind of it. But um, look, um, as you know, for like, look, you probably know better than most like in relation to West Cork, the love of the football down there, the, the fanaticism like that's, Particularly Castlehaven, like there was, they're they're just fanatical. Like, and I suppose whether you play it or you don't, from there, whether you're a supporter, or you're a player, whatever, everybody talks the same language. Everybody talks to one subject. Everybody goes to mass, comes out of it to talk about the match. Everybody goes to the match. So, look, um, this was where, you know, this was kind of heaven for me because, like, I was fanatical, like in relation to trying to get the best out of myself. So, look. It was a chance. It was. I always say in life, you 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 walk around the corner and your life could change, and that's kind of the way it happened for me. It, it was. I went to New York, playing. I was. I was absolutely lovely in New York. I was a carpenter by trade. I had you know loads of opportunities, loads of work, earning good money. Um, this is where I seen my life really for a long time to be, and um, playing with a great team like Donegal. We had a fantastic crop of players like they were from uh, all corners of, of, of Ireland really I suppose the biggest representative uh, representation was from Cork and four of those guys were from Castlehaven like we had the two Collinses Anthony Collins and Vincey Collins and you had Martin O'Mahony who was um, who was living now in Castlehaven now uh, at the moment he kind of came home the same time as I did and, and, and stayed there and Martin Connolly, who has now moved on to San Francisco and has a, a big business over there, a big bar business over there. So Martin was originally from Drina, but had transferred uh, back in his younger days to Castlehaven. So those four guys were, were playing with Donegal in New York. And each one of them, 
after games, Marty, you would you would be having your few bottles of beer and you'd be enjoying the the moments after the games in Gaelic Park. And what people realize probably don't realize like that Gaelic Park was the mecca and New York was the mecca of emigration at that time. And everybody flocked to New York. Like it wasn't Australia. It wasn't. Uh, which was, the, I suppose, afterwards kind of got uh, a lot of people emigrating to it. But New York was the real big spot for the emigration for the Irish in the 80s. And what you had, like, was a a, a, a crowd of eight to 10,000 people nearly every Sunday turning up to Gaelic Park. You had the influx of some fantastic players, like, that were from different counties, including myself. And Parik Dunn was another guy that had, Played with Offaly and one another in Offaly in 1982. He emigrated with me. Um, you had loads of great players, like from every county in Ireland, like that had emigrated to New York. So, like, teams are very strong. Football was very good. And it was the mecca of Irish people meeting there of a Sunday afternoon, partaking in five or six games, or whatever was within hurling and football. And then afterwards, then just having a few beers, and you wouldn't know who you'd meet. In, 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 in the bar there so look it was home from home I felt I felt very kind of wanted I felt very um, at home there and equally I suppose meeting these guys like they talked the same language as I did and, and all of the most of their conversations was Castlehaven when we used to kind of talk afterwards so like I'd be brutally honest now you obviously said to Castlehaven because I didn't even know where Castlehaven was I didn't even know where what part of Cork it was. It could have been anywhere. But um look, it just stemmed from there really. They, 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 it was it became a joke in relation to they saying sometime they might they'd love to go back and try to win a county with Castle Avon and so I listened to them and not at that not at the initial stages did they ever think that it was gonna wear their colours but uh they chipped away and uh, they chipped away and I suppose, like, I just see in their, uh, I suppose, when somebody talks, uh, whether you're talking to a team or you're talking to a person, I think uh, people realise how honest a person can be, like, in relation to that conversation and how infectious they are and the desire to have in relation to what they were talking about. So, like, I felt with each one of those fellas, like, that every one of them were infectious, every one of them were fanatical. Every wanted, every one of them wanted so much to be able to go home and try to be able to win a county with Castle Avon. So that kind of grew on me, even though, again, as I said, it, and not with my wildest dreams initially that they ever think that I was going to be, be on that plane when they were coming back, you know. So that's how it happened. And I suppose it chipped away for a couple of years before it finally did happen. Is the the Castlehaven powers of persuasion, like you know, Larry, they're they're quite strong with, 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 when they when they want to be. Because even in the book, when I when I was reading it, like you love New York, you love the pace of it, you love the early mornings, you love getting a coffee in the morning, getting a donut on on the on the train, you know, kind of you really like that lifestyle over there. So for those Castlehaven, those four men over there to convince you to swap life there for West Cork, kind of um, like it was obviously a very very big decision for you. So how sure were you? that you were making the right decision, even behind that life in New York and coming to Castlehaven? Sure, I wasn't sure. Like, it was just, um, I just realised, like, that I had got very friendly with these guys. I never, I wasn't working with them. I was playing football with them. I was training with them during the week. 
we were having great crack. They were great mates. They were great friends. Um, you know, we had we were developing a serious team in New York. We had, you know, we had won the New York Championship in '85. Uh, we had won again in '86. We were an incredible serious team. Like there would have been, I suppose it was said so many times. Like that '86 final in in New York, we we hammered Cabin in the final, and Cabin had 13 inter-county players. Like and and we absolutely wiped them off the floor. Like and. We, 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 I suppose our manager, like Donald Gallagher, that kind of time said, like, and we were all saying, like, it would be an awful pity, like, if we didn't bring this home, team home to Ireland and just pit ourselves again, the best counties in the lead up to their championship, say, the following May, uh, go for three weeks, um, see how we do against these counties. And it was something that we cherish for the rest of our lives. So I suppose that kind of, uh, set a little bit of a tone in relation to maybe we were going to tour in 87 uh, we were going back with Donegal and this was kind of organised like on uh, 86 probably December 86 that um, we had made this decision and uh, the lads over there in New York were fundraising in relation to try and uh, get the event happen and we were hoping to play four counties so the four counties that were organised was Mayo uh, or sorry Cork first Mayo uh, Leash and Donegal, um, so that was kind of the format of, of of the tour. So I suppose then the lads seen an opportunity like that um, they were going to commit themselves to stay at home then uh, after the tour and to try and just put in their lot with Castlehaven, and that's how it kind of chipped away a bit more. They asked, they, they kind of said, "Geez, so why don't you stay for a few months? You have nothing to lose." You know what I mean? So. So give it a go, you know what I mean? So we'd be all coming back to America again. And like at this stage, it was, you know, there was no talk about Cork. There was no talk about inter-county scene, nothing like that. So, look, it just so happened that I had been home for a long time. And, um, Lord, I my mother and father. They were great people and they hadn't seen me for quite a while. So, look, it, it was an opportunity. I was going back and I said, so look, um, I have nothing to lose. And it happened, as I said in the book, exactly uh, of, of a January night uh, when I was out training and running uh, through the depths of snow. And uh, look, things go through your head and you say to yourself in life, uh, is, there a, is, is, there, is there a right time to do it? Is there not? I think you just have to just go for it and um, just take that chance and take that challenge. And um, look, I was going to West Cork. I was going to a club that I didn't know. I know I knew a few of the lads in Asia. I knew the lads in America. I would have heard of Niall Callan. I would have heard of John Cleary. Um, Mike McGuire had been out a few times um, to New York. So, look, I was going there as an unknown, really. And um, uh, but I knew like that if there was if there were anything like the lads that had been talking to New York, uh, them four lads, well then it would have been an easy place to fit into. So um, I just decided on that January night that I'd give it a go. You describe your was joining Castlehaven as a in, in the book, you describe it as a match made in heaven. And it certainly proved out that way in the, in, in the years to come with the county titles that follow that followed when you joined the club first. So what were your first impressions of, I suppose, the area, the people, the club, the team itself kind of, did you feel right at home there straight away? And when you looked at the team, did you say, Jesus, this 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 crowd has potential to go to win that first county title. 
suppose when I when I was kind of added up initially, um, you know, I was thinking about it even in New York before I even came home. Um, I said, geez, there was four serious players in America. Myself, five. With Nike Allen, who had been uh, a prominent name, and John Cleary. So I said, that's seven. Mike McGuire's a hell of a player as eight. I, I knew John Cleary's brother, played on the 21 with Cork Dennis. Uh, so, like, straight away, I said, yes, that's 10 or 11 serious players. And, of course, you had Mick Burns, the Lord of Merciland, that passed away. And Mick was playing with Cork as well. So, look, I said, yes, if we, if we get uh, four or five other players from anywhere, so, like, we, we'd have a, we must have a serious chance. So, that was kind of going through my head. But, like, I suppose, initially, kind of when I when I kind of went down there and grew into the area and I was staying in Union Hall and uh, I was staying at uh, Lord of Mercenaries. She's passed away now since Nora DC. Uh, I was staying up there by the church in Union Hall and sure, of course, the famous field, the black field, as we call, just down below me, uh, just uh, walked down the little hill. Um, and of course, the Collins brothers, they were, they were, they were, they were, they were a massive, uh, they were a massive help to me all the time in, I suppose Christy, me being a carpenter, I got to know Christy probably better than anybody then because I, I became working then with Christy and um, and I was a I was a far cry from working in Manhattan, Cairn that I ended up working initially in Shirkin Island. So uh, where I think there was only something like that time. I think there was only something like uh, there was hardly twenty people living over on the island. I'd say that time and and we were building a house for a priest over there. So. Well, I knew I knew straight away anyway that I, I'd have the blessings anyway of, 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 of the area when I was building a house for the priest. So, um, look, uh, what can I say about the area? The area, uh, it, it was it was it was quiet. Uh, Union Hall was quiet, and initially, as I said in my book, um, what a lot of people don't uh, realize is that my transfer hadn't gone through. I wasn't able to play with Castlehaven. Uh, it was being held up from Kildare and every night that time there was no mobile phones that time uh, every night I used to walk down that little hill and walk down into into the village and there was a telephone box there in the middle of the village and I used to ring my mother every night and I'd say to my mother I said I'm getting out of here Jesus, this place is this place is, is, is dead like you know what I mean dead as regards what it was used to in in, in in, in no, no disrespect for the area because I love it, um, but just felt like that I couldn't play games. I was training, but I, I felt like that maybe my transfer was never going to get through. And every day and every night and every weekend, I was heading back to America. Like, and every phone call, every evening to my mother was, "I'm going back to America," and then whether it was Francis Collins or Christy Collins, I'd say, oh, hold on, it'll be sorted. It'll be sorted in a couple of days. Frank Murphy's on the case. And that's kind of how it kind of lingered on for a good few weeks. And it was, to say the least, I had my bags packed so many times to head for Shannon Airport and go. Uh, but I think it was just, uh, I think it was just the, the, the lads been just there and just uh, the the, I suppose the respect, I, I, I would never, I don't think I'd ever let anyone down if I felt I was going to be committed to them. And I held on for them because I didn't want to let them down because they they were the they were the people that I was very close to them for, lads. And um, I just wanted to kind of uh, see it out. And um, 
but lots of great families in in in, in Union Hall that made me very special, like the the Catalans, the Clearies, um, you know, Nora McGuire, the Maguires, like Nora McGuire became a great I suppose like my second second mother really, she was the kind of the when when everything else is happening around the place, here you are like uh, as a lonely child in in in, in Castle Avon, not really knowing that many people, but you I got great comfort in relation to going down to Castle Downs and then just kind of sitting down with her and, and having just um just ordinary chats like that I would have with my mother and um she was she was a fantastic person and um you know, I can't talk enough about the Castle Avon players. They were just, you know, they were every each and every one of them was 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 incredibly helpful. And um, uh, you know, I suppose massively welcoming uh, to the to the area. It wasn't a sting that I was kind of coming in from the outside, and you were an outsider. I never ever felt that in Castle Avon, never, and uh, just uh, so 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 privileged myself to have word or colours I just can't describe like the honour but there was some of hindsight now looking back Larry kind of waiting on those couple of days and weeks for those transfer papers to go through it was probably one of the best decisions you made because I'm going to fast forward to 89 now and that's such an important year for for for, for Castellave and they won the first senior county title and you were a huge part of that the final against the Bears I think you got man of the match and and in the book you were saying even beforehand you, you just felt good like you felt you could win that match on its own you know kind of Looking back at that game against the Bears, uh, and even more so what it meant for the club after, could you appreciate how important it was for Castlehaven to win their first senior county title and how much, I suppose, back in West Cork, back around Union Hall, Castle Towns, and how much it meant to the people down there? Well, without doubt, it was probably, um, probably the greatest day of my life, like as regards, like, not so much that I was man in the match, and I, and, and I, I think it was probably. From from start to finish, it was probably the greatest game I ever played. I think, but just the joy to see the people that I had become uh, friendly with and knew over the few years before that. I seen the massive disappointments, like from '87, like when we lost to Musgrave and Clonakilty, and I was absolutely a disaster. The same night, like I couldn't kick a ball over the bar to save my life. And the previous week, I had played against Galway and I kicked eleven points in all in semi final. And here for me, I couldn't even buy a score in Clannacilty that night. And I, that was probably one of the most suffering defeats I ever had. And I, I sat in the dressing room for three hours afterwards and I just couldn't believe what was that to happen. The following year was just, uh, again, it was just uh, a game that could have went either way again. Um, Neymar Rangers, they were all earned club champions. And of course, what, uh, what we, we have to remember here is that this was knockout. Like, there, was no, there was no second chances. And that happened in '88 in in May, like a real wet day, and Clannacilty were beaten by a pint. Um, so, what 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 was what was probably massively disappointing in '89 was like that the four lads, uh, three of those lads, couldn't commit to coming in '89. Like, and the only representative that was part that year was Martin O'Mahony, who had stayed and. Uh, uh, in Castlehaven was living in Castlehaven then whereas the other three guys the two Collinses and Martin Connolly had gone back to America and weren't able to commit in 89 the same way as they did the two previous years I suppose that was disappointing because they were the guys like that really were behind me to to to, to bring me to Castlehaven and, and and they were the different they were the men like the, if I didn't meet them you know 
I, I still think I would be still in New York, you know what I mean? And um, uh, But look, uh, it was an incredible day. It was just, um, I just felt like the day before um, I had been invited down to the showgrounds in in Parky Kiev, uh, the outside there, there was an agricultural show on the night before the county final and I was asked to go down and just kind of, uh, you know, attend a few of the, the, the areas and uh, give a little bit of a talk there or whatever. I think it lasts about an hour. Uh, I walked down from my pub who I, who I had purchased at that time across in the train station, the pub in the guest house. And I walked down to Parky Kiev that night and um, it was dry, it was fine going but when I came out of it it was absolutely starting to rain and of course the stadium was just there and I just walked around I, I don't know what brought me around that way to the stadium but look faith is faith and you you look for everything and I would be a massive believer in faith like I just think that if you don't have faith you don't have anything and um I just walked around by the stadium and the rain became harder and it came it was absolutely torrential rain, uh, and I just kneeled down. I, 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 in order, I think when you're a bit mad, I think it helps to to, to go places. But I just knelt down there and I just prayed to the Almighty God that it would give me the strength to have the game in my life tomorrow. It was something that I was there. I was in a county final, and I had committed to come home and to try and win a county with these lads. And amazingly, I was captain, and. Um, it was just one of those moments when I walked back to the pub and I didn't even feel the rain belting off me. I had a cold shower, whatever it was. And I just remember the next day, just saying to Nike and I just felt I could beat these guys on my own. I just felt that good. And look, it was just one of those days that, um, look, we, 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 we were given no chance. The Bears had an incredible team. and uh, But I just felt it was one that we, we weren't going to lose. And... Um, uh, final whistle went. It was just, it was just like this, um, you know. No, uh, certain things in life can't buy those moments. Like, and um, it was just one of those moments. Like this, it'll, it'll relive in my memory for the rest of my days. Like you said, that's one of the greatest moments in Castlehaven's history. And we're kind of talking more on, on, on this podcast about Castlehaven rather than than, than, um, than your intercounty career at Cork. So I'm going to fast forward again now to um, to '94. And that was the kind of down in West Cork. That's when West Cork stood still. It was Castlehaven against O'Donovan Rossa, um, county football final, winter replay. There was drama, there was tension in the build up. There was sheep painted blue and let off loose in the Martin inside and skid. There was buildings painted blue, the roads are painted blue and white. It was an incredible build up from everyone I, I've spoken to. Um, for, for you then, I suppose, you were coming from the outside and you were, you were looking at this, this huge rivalry between. Castlehaven and Skib and a Skib team that had won the All Ireland only the year previously, and that probably, to be fair, that probably hurt down in Castlehaven. You know, kind of that Skib won the All Ireland. So, could you since in the lead up to that game, Jesus, this this is a big one. You know, whatever about eighty nine against the Bears was such an important moment, but this final Castlehaven can't lose because it's against the crowd over there. It's 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 it's, it's, uh, it's against our neighbours. Yeah, look, uh, it's probably it was probably a little bit similar to the at intercounty scene, but uh, then a little bit different because you were Cork and Mead at intercounty scene, the chemists, the real giants of the game. Here you had O'Donovan Ross, who were a hell of a team, 
that had won in All Ireland uh, in '92, and uh, Castlehaven, who had probably set the seeds maybe for a lot of teams in West Cork that anything could be achieved. And in fairness to a lot of West Cork teams, after Castlehaven won in '89, they really just took off. And uh, the standard of football in West Cork at that era was incredible. So, like, you had really the two giants of the football coming together. And, look, I have no, I have no doubt about it. They, they didn't like each other. Um, there was, uh, rightly what you said, like, uh, you know, nights or weeks before that county final, there was the lines of the road were painted one night red and white. And, uh, and the next night they were changed to blue and white. So, and you had the uh, teddy bears being painted uh, red and white and blue and white another night. And th- this was uh, this was going on. And there was groups of people going out all during the night to, to, to get the better of one another in relation to the build-up. And look, the, 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 the bagging rights with anybody at, lo- at, at, at the, the core level of, I suppose, the rivalry becomes with your neighbours is huge-like. And... This naturally will it will live in the memory forever. Like in relation to a county final, um, you had the crowds that attended it, um, the players that were involved in it, the fantastic players like the Skibbereen had, like Lord Emerson, Mick McCarthy, um, you know, you had the Driscolls, uh, you you had um, uh, Ian Breen, the Davises, like you had incredible level of footballers like in relation to Donovan Ross and equally with uh, Castlehaven like you had guys like that from both sides like that uh, had contributed so much to the inter-county scenes and with Cork at whether it was minor under 21 and at senior level and a lot of these guys had, had went to school together uh, through Skibbereen and stuff so um, naturally there was there was, there was a, a lot of there was a lot at stake and I suppose what summed it up for me was like that. Um, Narsi, I knew the pressure was was going was going to be high, um, but I remember going down to Norm Maguire was the week before the county final, the first day, and um, just to kind of have my brief chat or whatever. And um, I think it was before the training session, and um, I was asking how she was and stuff. And before I left the boat the door that night to go training she just said something to me just spontaneously she said Larry do you know I will have to go to shop in Planet Kilty if we don't win this match on Sunday so no pressure I, I, I think that summed it up I think that summed it all up and look that wasn't just a, a, a comment that was something that was meant because she would have to go to Planet Kilty to shop because she wouldn't be able to face the Quintus Gibberian if we didn't win that match. So, look, that was just the, the rivalry, the tension that was there for both teams to try and succeed. And um, look, it was um, it was a massive occasion. Naturally, when a team loses, you, you know, the occasion actually doesn't seem the same because you want to win. Uh, but I think both teams contributed enormously to it. Probably one of the one of the, I suppose one of the dream finals, and it went to a replay of course. Um, it was one of the dream finals that people will, will will talk about for a long, long time. And it comes true in the book as well, Larry, that you were a man kind of who put his body on the line, and 
in, in that saga against against Skibbereen, kind of in, in the first game, I think you, your shoulder, your your AC joint, you damaged it, and after after the drawing game, you were I think you were told it'd be three months, you'd be out, and you were like, Jesus, the replays in two weeks, just piece me back together, kind of looking into the replay, then kind of I know Dr. Conning gave you an, an injection beforehand just to just to help you through kind of how how mobile were you? How how fit were you? Like would you have passed the fitness test nowadays? I should look I, I was even a lunatic to even have tried to, to, to play like but um look we came out of the first game, I suppose, battered and bruised. Um I think probably I don't know Ross's game we're kinda of celebrating the fact like that um they had seen myself and John Cleary getting into an ambulance outside the, the door in Parky Kiev after the game heading for uh, heading for the hospital so um things weren't John was in serious trouble, John was after tearing his grind badly. So he was in a, a kind of a no win situation um up at the hospital and uh I suppose I was in a no win situation either when, when when somebody told me when the doctors told me that um no real contact for six months, um, so I, I, that wasn't something that I wanted to hear. I I had kind of severed my my AC joint, and um, I was in a lot of distress and a lot of pain. But um, look, I he put me into a, a sling, and uh, I remember both of us heading down, uh, being picked up uh, by one of the lads at the hospital, and headed back down to my my pub where the other lads was uh, crossing the train station, and um, I suppose drowning our sorrows in a way, like and a lot of probably um, uh, downbeat. Even though we had a replay to look forward to, uh, to uh, I suppose we were we were certainly uh, weren't upbeat with the fact like that I, I was almost certainly out and John was almost certainly out. So that was kind of what we were facing, and the replay was in two weeks' time. So um, there wasn't uh, a lot of light that night in relation to what was going to happen in the replay. So. I think it was a bit of doom and gloom, but I think in fairness to the Haven, the way they are, I think things picked up during the week and uh, train sessions. Now, I didn't attend any of those train sessions because I was under extensive treatment um, three times a day from uh, Nola Connor and Osteopath out in Bishopstown. So um, a lot of those train sessions I didn't attend. Uh, I don't think I attended. I, I went down once, I think, uh, on the weekend. Um the weekend before the, the second replay. But uh, apart from that, I was in uh, heavy treatment every day, as I said, and uh, just to try and... I suppose I, I, I always felt I could make it um, in my head, but it didn't, my, my, my shoulder didn't feel that way. It was it was fairly bad, yeah. So, um, but look, um, we we got to Friday before the game, and I remember going um, down to Parky Key with Francis Collins, to try and see could I even hold the, the weight of the ball and then um, I remember coming out of Parky Kiev after just being there I say for half an hour I was I was down I couldn't hold the weight of the ball really it was uh, it was very uh, I suppose very severe pain and um, I rang Christy Collins at night who was the Christy and Jim Nolan were the were the managers and um, I told him like that um I I I I wasn't available to play. I was I was I was I couldn't move my arm, and and Francis Collins uh, had had kind of given given him the same kind of an answer to Christie as well, like that there was no way I'd be able to play. So, what happened from Friday night till Sunday? It was um, I suppose I got no treatment on Saturday, 
and it probably left the shoulder to be able to kind of settle down a bit. And um, I had taken a trip out to Dr. Khan on the Saturday and I asked him, uh, was there anything he could do to get me on the field? So he said he'd see me in Blackrock on the, on the, on the Sunday morning. And amazing, I, I, I don't know whether it's just the, I suppose the, the momentum or the, the tension and the excitement and the thrill of, 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 of getting out there and playing. I just, when I woke up Sunday morning, I, I just felt a bit better. And um, went down to Blackrock and um, they had made a decision on the team of, 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 of what to do. And um, I think Christy Collins approached me and asked me, would I, would I consider playing full forward? Um, because uh, maybe you know, just being in there uh, might, might might be a big, just a big impact. So look, I I remember going down uh, in part of Black Rock and just outside the pitch there, and Niall was kicking me a few balls, and I was just I was I was comfortable enough, kind of um, uh, grabbing the ball chest in my chest, but I, I I couldn't really raise my hand above my head. It was still giving me a little bit of trouble. So. Um, this is where Dr. Khan came in then and uh, he said that he would give me an injection that would kind of kill the pain and be able to raise my arm above my head. So he said he'd have to just inject me before the game and um, then it possibly wouldn't get a half an hour, might wear off after 20 minutes. So And then do the same then at the start of the second half. So uh, look, I said, why not? I was willing to give it everything. So um, they named me at full forward and shoulder is something you just can't strap like it's 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 one of those areas where you just can't kind of um help it in, in relation to strapping or padding or something like that i was able to put a little bit of a soft part over the bone um a bit of a cushion and and to, to, but it, it wasn't massively helpful but um i just remember just praying around at the parade and just before the the throwing i got the injection and you know what? I just went in, and I was just felt I was a new man. I just felt no pain. And I remember the first ball came into me, and I caught it nearly above my head, and I just couldn't believe it. From there on, it just um, I just wiped it all my head, and uh, I just felt maybe the pain coming again, maybe five minutes before halftime, uh, and then uh, similarly in the second half, then. Uh, the same thing was was done. I got the injection just before the throw in the second half, and uh, just I just think it was just the, the 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 pride of being able to just play with the haven. And uh, every time I went out, uh, I just tried to give it everything that was in that jersey. That it meant so much to me. And uh, look, it was a, a, another massive day. It was another special day, and um, uh, an incredible an incredible two games. Uh, you know, with 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 an incredible two teams, really. Um, like you said, you were you played that day. Castlehaven won, and the rest is history. It was another huge moment for for Castlehaven. I'm not going to keep you too much longer, Larry. You've been so so kind with your time um, as we chat about so some of the stories and your story from from your book um, autobiography, Believe, which, like I said earlier, is available in all shops now. You can even buy it online, and it's the ideal Christmas present for not just a GA fan in your life, but a sports fan in your life. And I'd even tell people. Even be selfish, buy it for yourself. You know, kind of. I popped into a bookstore in Clarny to buy it. So you, you've Kerry people buying the book in in, in Kerry, Larry. So your story is emanating right across the country. Um, but we're talking there about 
about how you put your body in the line. And I just want to take you back to the time you went across to Manchester United for, for treatment. I think it was around 88. I'm a Man United fan, a kind of a, at the moment, a suffering Man United fan again because they're going through this cycle of good, bad, 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 good. But take me back to when you went across to the cliff um, for kind of for treatment back. I think it was 88. And I think you, you, you met Sir Alex Ferguson, Norman Whiteside, Clayton Blackmore. Looking back now, kind of, is, is that almost surreal to think that 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 happened that to, you were you were injured at that time and it was arranged to go across to Manchester United for treatment like that was that's an incredible story. Yeah, look, um, look, I, I suppose like I I, I, I might have kind of uh, viewed these guys maybe in the in the in the kind of the the the, the bright lights like that maybe a lot of people would like. Uh, well, I don't say that in a, in a, in a small way. I respect every guy and every sports person, and I think that. You know, I massive, massive admiration for GA players because, like, they're they 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 have to be the leaders of their club, and then they're they're playing at a high competitive level at inter county level, and they're working then in between as well to try and keep down a job. And there's so much pressure in every sense of the way, like for, for an inter county player. So, like, I, I massive respect for GA players, and I I've always felt like that GA players could compete, like at they have incredible skills levels and they can compete in a lot of sports at professional levels with an opportunity to go one way or the other like these guys could make it anywhere so like I suppose I went and feeling like that I was in my head like that I could you know compete against any of these guys like but equally naturally it was it was brilliant to see how the professionals go about things and I suppose I hit Man United at the time, when things weren't so good, like um, there was uh, a drink culture in Man United at that time was incredible. Like, um, uh, you know, people would tell you they were close to the sea in like that. Um, I'd often ask the question, like, will United do any good this year? And when I was there, and people would tell you, like, whether it was the taxi drivers that were commuting to Man United all the time, or the groundsmen that was, uh, he was there and had worked with Man United for over 50 years. And their, their, their thing was, like, yeah, they'll win the drinking competition because every every night they were celebrating or down in the local establishments and, 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 and really, you know, really drinking heavy, like, and I was um, I was being picked up every morning. I was staying in the Captown Hotel uh, right beside Old Trafford. I was being picked up every morning by Brian Robson, who was the captain of Man United at that time, a hell of a player, and Paul McGrath. And like Brian was put off the road, like for um, you know getting into a car and he and he and he full of drink. And of course, Paul was in a state of you know uh, you know he was probably a high drinker at that time. So like. Um, these guys were picking me up every morning with the smell, smell of booze on them and, and, and driving down to the cliff training ground and they asking me like, and, like to come to the local boozer that night or come on down and try. I'd go down because it would, would be only kind of maybe five or ten minutes walk or whatever or you could call this taxi man that that, that would be they they come there to pick up all the United players. I was kind of a, uh, access to all those things. So I went down a few nights and, and they telling me like this, um, you know, how much money was I on? And I was, here was I preparing for another and replay and, uh, you know, these guys are professionals and they're drinking down loads of pints and I drinking a Ballygown or a 7-Up and 
he was like scratching my head coming back and I said Jesus what's that what's happening here is it it, it 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 seems to be the other way around you know what I mean so um look it was it was just uh, fantastic to see to say how like now they don't have to you know they arrive in the mornings at the cliff training ground they don't have to bring even a they don't have to even bring a towel you know what I mean all their gear is 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 there for them it's all washed. It's all ready. It's all ready to go out for their training sessions in the morning. They'll be. They'll arrive at nine o'clock. They'll be on the field for uh, ready to go at quarter to ten. Uh, they'll train for maybe uh, could be an hour and a half, all depending on uh, if it's a Tuesday. They might train a little bit longer, do different things. They might be there at twelve o'clock. Uh, if there's a match the weekend, or if it's a Thursday and they're playing Saturday, the, that session could be an hour and a quarter. Um, and then they come in like Narchi, they, they, they have their big uh, big bats and pools and whirlpools and uh, down in the in the in the, the lower end of the dressing rooms. And then they head up then up to the third floor then and the cliff train and they have uh, all their lunches there for them. So like um yeah, it was uh, nice to see the way how everything is kind of done for the professionals. Yeah, it was um, they um they had really everything that they wanted really and uh, everything was looked after for them and uh, but I just couldn't get over, like I suppose the, the, the. Uh, I suppose I was looking ahead in the sense that here, if I was a professional getting paid, like and, and uh, my my manner of commitment, I felt like that uh, which United at the time uh, certainly wouldn't have been up to spec, like and uh, I think it was something that Ferguson was at a knife point really to get right, and um, I think he sorted out a lot of them fellas over the next twelve months, so. Um, uh, Look, I met Ferguson, a great chat with him, and uh, uh, there was a physio there at that time, a Scottish guy, Jim McGregor. Uh, Jim looked after me fantastic, and um, you know, had the opportunity of being in the uh, at a game uh, in the dugout, um, and also you know trained a few times in Old Trafford, uh, and went through my fitness test. Then, uh, when I, before I came back to make sure that it was okay to play, that. Um, McGregor signed the dotted line that it was 100% uh, to be able to play on the replay. Like you mentioned there, you met Sir Alex Ferguson before he was Sir Alex. That was He was a manager under pressure back then in, in the late 80s. He kind of just, he'd just come down from Aberdeen and things weren't going well, obviously, until the 90s. But what was it like meeting him, kind of? You said you had a conversation there. Could you sense, Jesus, there's something about this fellow, like he can do something here. Could you, even from meeting him that once or having that conversation with him, that first conversation, could you, could you sense something about him, Larry? Well, I think that he was. Uh, I think the most important thing was that he was. Um, <coughs> he seemed very passionate. He seemed um, uh, very much kind of uh, to get into a player's head, like you know. I think that's why he kind of, you know, usually he might just come in and 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 kind of briefly meet you for a minute and go, but he just kind of wanted to get to know me, like as, even as a, a person, like and. Um, uh, I think that was his big thing. I think he really kind of uh, was able to kind of get players to open up and to see where they're really committed to what he wanted. And I think that was his hallmark of success, really. And um, uh, equally, like to his, uh, I suppose his 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 manner of um, of wanting you. Like he he left no one question to me that day. Like, look, he said, "You're here now." He said, "You're a Manchester United player." He said, anything that that man there was not actually Norman Whitehead was behind, beside me. He said, anything that Norman Whitehead will get, Larry Tompkins will get. So, like, 
you know, everything is here for you. If you want anything, it's here. Taxis out of here, picked up in the mornings, uh, your food here. Um, Jim will uh, go through all the, the treatment in relation to uh, what you need to do. And he said, have no hesitation in relation to any games or anything you want to go to, you're a Manchester United player. And that's how he kind of came across to me. Straight away, he made you as welcome as one of his, whether it was Brian Robson he was talking to. It was just the same thing. And, uh, you know, I just felt him so warm in relation to that. Like that straight away, he was just a guy like that was really on our side. And that coming away from there, you'd say, Jesus, yeah, I'd do anything for that guy. So that's why I think if there was one thing I picked up, I think that players would certainly uh, would want to do anything for him. Like, uh, but at the time, I think, and you're right, Kieran, Man United had a lot of players that probably weren't rowing into that. Uh, you had Lee Sharp, you had Clayton Blackmore. Um, I suppose McGrath was a hell of a player, but you know he needed to be sorted out in, in, in certain ways. But Norman Whiteside was probably the young kid on the block at the time. He was the real star. Um, I think Norman proved afterwards he wasn't. Uh, it wasn't for Alex Ferguson going forward, like in relation to what uh, Norman Weston wasn't willing to do it. So he 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 kind of put him to one side. You know what I mean? So um, I think he really gives you um, what he wants, and he will really do anything for you <coughs> if you do a hundred percent. It's an incredible story there, and you can tell it so well in the book. And my final question for you. Um, it's just about, I suppose, the current Cork football team. And we're actually recording this chat before the Munster semi-final between Cork and Kerry, on, which would have been on last Sunday. So we obviously don't know the results of how that game went. But just to get your thoughts in general on, on Cork football. There's been a couple of years there where, obviously, standards have dipped and the team didn't go as well as they'd hoped they would slip into to, to Division 3 and so on. But the last 12, 18 months, it seems to be pointed in the right direction, kind of. We've the Cork under-20s coming in now. There's... Um, it, it just seems there's a lot more positivity around this Cork football team. One promotion straight back up to, to Division 2, where that's the least they need to be. So just to get your own thoughts, Larry, as a, as, as a man who's won so much and achieved so much with Cork, do you feel, I suppose, to give hope to the football fans out there that, that Cork football is going towards, a, towards a, a far better place than it has been? Well, first of all, I would say about Cork... Uh, Cork have you, I, I, there's never a problem with talent in Cork. Like that's number one. Uh, Cork possess incredible talent, like, and I think that uh, it's fallen to the wayside a little bit over the last number of years because I think that lots of good young players have been lost. Like you know, go back, it was a ten maybe more ten years ago. I watched Cork under twenty one team play Kerry in, in Parky Ring. And Cork hammered him off the field. And Kieran Sheehan's time, he was playing the same night. And like Cork really didn't, a lot of those players didn't come through in the manner of the way people were watching that game that night and saying to themselves, there's a bright future here for Cork football. Still, Kerry produced more players that came forward and played at senior level than Cork did on that night, even though Cork absolutely hammered him out of sight. I think you had a lot of years like that, like a lot of the young, good young players that were very promising were kind of, weren't kind of brought onto the scene early enough. Um, they were let drift and then when they did probably 
want them, they kind of were asked to kind of come into a setup for uh, and then to try and produce the goods. I think what you need to do now, and I think it's happening now over the last year or two, is that good young players that you see at 18 years of age, and I always feel like that you're never too young to bring into a, into, in, into a senior setup. You might get to a stage where you're a bit old, but certainly you're never too young. And I think it's so important for car football to get those young players at 18 and 19 years of age, bring them into the senior setup, and uh, uh, do what I said with the, in relation to what Alex Ferguson would do. Say to them, look, we know that you have the talent to make this. We're putting you in here for two years. We want to see your commitment, your application, and certainly we will give you the experience in, in drafting you into a few games here or there. But the main thing is to build you into this mold and to build you into this cell. That when you become 20 in two years' time or 21, that you are ready to go out there and be able to prove to me or anybody that you're one of the best footballers in Ireland. And I don't think you can do that bringing in guys where you've missed that opportunity for that two years to uh, go through the strength and conditioning that's needed today. And um, I think you lose them. And I think that top football have lost an awful lot of players uh, over the long number of years because they haven't brought them in early enough. And these players won't hang on because there's other things in life now. It's different from when I was growing up. You didn't have all of those side attractions. You didn't have all these all these other opportunities, whether it's rugby, whether it's soccer, uh, whether they go play hurling, whatever it is. We're looking here at football that we don't want to lose the good young players to anything else. And I think you need to be able to grasp at a young level and bring them forward in that manner. And I think that has been happening over the last year or two. And certainly we should be looking forward now to a real bright future over the next number of years if these players are developed in the, in the manner of what I've said. And it was encouraging last year to see them go through, get to the Super 8s, have a hell of a game again, Kerry in the Munster final, and then advance then to the Super 8s and be able to compete then again, the likes of Dublin, the likes of Tyrone, who I felt like that, that Cork had to beaten at Tyrone on that, night, on, on, that, on that evening and they let it slip. But I do think there was a very encouraging signs there uh, moving forward. I think Cork are going in the right direction and hopefully we can get players that are that really are committed and want to wear that jersey with pride and distinction and honour and everything that you that everybody out there would die to do. Like you know, my last day I wore the county jersey was ninety eight, I was manager and you know what? I I I felt, you know, every day I went out it was such an honour to wear it like and um I think that's what players have to get inside them like that. And if Cork get that kind of a mentality inside them in relation to honouring the jersey and really giving everything inside of them, then there will be a force in the next few years. That's a fantastic place to finish with, Larry. Again, thank you so much. You've been so kind with your time this morning. We're obviously chatting about your book, Believe, the Larry Tompkins autobiography. And we've just, just to just tip of the iceberg stuff we've we touched on in, in this chat, Larry, there's so much more in this book. And like I've said a couple of times, it's, it's well worth getting your hands on for all our listeners. Pick it up for yourself, pick it up for a present. It's a brilliant, brilliant read. And you come away, I suppose, knowing a lot more about Larry Tompkins, the footballer, but almost more importantly, a lot more about Larry Tompkins, the man. And I think that shines true in the book. So congratulations on a superb book, Larry, and the very, very best to look with it. And thank you for joining us. 
No bother, here, lads. And I thank all your listeners there, and thank yourself for giving me the time. Um, I've always a very soft spot for West Cork. I think it's a massive place, uh, massive teams, and uh, massive people that I've met over the years. And uh, look, if you're in soul search of the book, uh, it's 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 all over West Cork. I, I have uh, in Castle Townsend with Back McGuire there in the shop there, and also uh, a link there is JC Daly and Drina as well in the, in the post office. He has a culmination of places where the book can be got. So look, uh, thanks for your time, Kieran. Uh, it's been a pleasure and. Uh, I owe so much to Castle Avon and to West Cork and uh, look, it, it's really made my career and I uh, just want to thank everybody down there that's uh, supported me over a long number of years. Brilliant. Thank you, Larry. However, thanks. Access Credit Union has always been at the heart of our community through good and bad times. We want to continue to play our part in helping our community through the COVID-19 crisis. As businesses reopen, we encourage our community to work together by staying local, borrowing locally and spending locally. Access Credit Union is here to help. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast. And just before we wrap up, Kieran, a quick reminder to our listeners of what they can expect in this week's Southern Star. Yeah, as we all know, last weekend, Jack, was a pretty busy one on the inter-county scene. So we've action and reaction from the Cork footballers against Kerry, the Cork hurlers against Dublin, the Cork ladies footballers against Kerry and the Cork Camogie team, they travelled to Galway last Sunday. So we've all that and a lot more in Thursday's Southern Star. As well as that, we have a great piece of Richard O'Flynn. He's um, a Court Mac athlete who went on to great things over in America. It's a great story here by Martin Walsh. Um, Richard O'Flynn, he raced for Providence over in, 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 the, in, in the States and he he ran with the likes of John Tracy and Eamon Coughlin, so it's a really nice read here. Um, as well as that, Jeremy McCarthy is a good piece on Bunmet United and the on their efforts to, I suppose, kind of get soccer back in the front foot in the club. And also, we have a piece on Clannacilty Rugby Club recently won a Munster Rugby Award for the for their mini section. So we have a full page on that. So huge congrats to Clannacilty Rugby Club. So like you can see, Jack, plenty going on in Thursday's Southern Star as usual, and that'll be available in shops across West Cork and beyond from Thursday morning as Kieran says and if you can't make it to the shops you can always purchase a copy of our digital edition online just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and you can read the Southern Star on your computer tablet or smartphone for less than two euro per week thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast and thanks for joining us over the over the course of the last 100 episodes hopefully we'll make it to 200 over the next couple of years um, as always we'll be back at the same time next week if you enjoy these shows please make sure to rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts spotify youtube or wherever you get your podcasts slán tamam